Today's Shirin Mishra Buryomi is Kuf Chof Tes Omid Beis. And we're in the middle of a very important simon, simon Sadiches, which we learned yesterday, the Sefer Yisod Vishorish says a person has to chazer over every week, because this is telling us the essence of the importance of davening, how one should properly think about davening, and the proper kavanas that a person should have prior to the start of the davening. And we're on the second line from the top, in the middle of Sif Aleph, and the Mechaber says, a person should think and concentrate on things that will humble the heart and help you better concentrate towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu, our Father in Heaven. And one should try not to think about things that lead to lightheadedness. The adds, and before the starting the Shemun Esrei, one should think, how lofty HaKadosh Baruch Hu is and how lowly man is. Yosir called Hanuge Ha'odam Libo, and he should remove all pleasures of man from his heart. This is brought down for the Rabbeinu Yonah at the beginning of the Perik in Brachos in Omdim. The Rabbah continues, And one is not permitted to kiss one's young children in the shul. The Yishufut in Abenon brings down, this is true, the older children as well. And the Orach Neman brings down, why did it say younger children over here? Because that is the normal pattern. Because parents kiss young children more than they kiss older children in general. This is also the opinion of Ben Ishchai, but Rav Chaim Kanievsky brings down, This prohibition against kissing young children, which we'll see in a moment why, is only for young children, but not for older children. The Ramah explains, This is to teach us that there is no love, even the love of a parent to a child, like the love that we should have towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The issue footnote number 9 brings down further that the Orach Nehman says, even when it's not during the Shemun Esrei, one shouldn't kiss younger children in shul in general. However, to kiss the hand of your father, of your Rebbe, as is the custom amongst many Svardim, that's a covet for the father, for the Rebbe, Ben Yishchai says that's perfectly permissible. That's a klal of a mitzvah. However, he says you shouldn't kiss other people's hands, as was the custom in some places after they were getting aliyah. However, the Orla Tzion says that that's acceptable in places where that's the custom. The Mishnah Bruin Sivkot and Gimel writes, Banavaktanim, so he brings down from the Shalah, Kore Tagar, he's very upset about those, Alamevim Yeladin Levesa Knesses, those who bring young, two young children to the shul. Vainuktanim Shadayin Lohi which means too young that they don't understand anything about the shul. Because these children, these children are just running around like crazy in the shul, and they desecrate the holiness of the sanctuary. They drive everybody else crazy and don't let other people daven. But furthermore, when these children get older, all they're going to remember is how they had running around time in shul. And they won't change their pattern of behavior. Hurrah, which is very bad. Which was taught to them in their young childhood. To be crazy. If all they've ever learned was running around in shul and screaming and yelling, so then they'll continue doing that when they get older. However, the Shalot says, When a child has reached the age that he is able to understand what's going on in the shul, Adarabba, certainly, Yivienu, Ito, Levei, Saknesis, a father should bring his child with him to shul, and he should teach him the proper way, Leishe, Be'em of Yira, how to sit there in trepidation and awe, and don't let him move from his place, Vizarzeyu, Lano, Samein, 
and you should teach him to answer Amen. Tisha footnote number 12 brings down from the Ramah later on how important it is to teach young children to answer Amen because as soon as a young child says Amen, so how important it is to teach him to say Amen, and the Mishnah continues and to teach him Kaddish and Kedusha, about this can be seen over there in the Shalah, the end of the simon there discussing Tvila and Kriyasa Torah. And he further says the Mishnah Burr, that is, look in the Ayin the Tonad Ve'elio, the Chelek Ala Perik Yogimel. Godel Ha'onesh Yesh La'av, Shemaniach has been no Lanos, Devarim Shal Hevel, Petiflus Be'esek Nesis. Great is the punishment that will come to a father who allows his younger children to waste their time in Shul with words of nothingness and Tiflus, Hevel, the Tiflus Be'esek Nesis. Dishu foot number 11 brings down what we learned previously. One has to be very careful with children that they shouldn't have any excrement on their clothing or their shoes as was wanted in those days for them to have. Likewise, Dishu foot number 13 brings down the beautiful custom of children going up to kiss the Sefer Torah. Parents should encourage the children to do this, to teach them and educate them for the love of the mitzvahs and for the love of the Torah. And he says that's exactly the reason for the custom of giving children galila, ensure that they should be desirous of serving a Kodesh Baruch Sif Beis, the Mechaber writes, Lo yispala b'mokam sheyish dovish mevatel kavanaso, v'lo b'shoa ha-mevatel is kavanaso. person shouldn't start davening in a place or with a mindset that will disturb his ability to concentrate properly during the Shemun Esrei. The Mishnah Burr in Sif Kut and Dalit explains, Kigon sheicher chodo shemeriach uchai gabna. If a person is davening in a place where there's an overpowering odor, not an odor as Dirshu footnote 16 brings down, that's also for a person to daven in, but just an odor that will disturb the person. So for example, fresh beer, has a strong odor, and that will disturb your davening, and therefore, while there's no halachic problem with davening in a place that has fresh beer, for example, somebody is accustomed to that odor and it won't disturb him, there's no halachic reason not to daven there, but if something is going to disturb your kavana, then one shouldn't daven in that place, or sifkot and hey, or at a time when you can't concentrate, for example, could go the Mishnah where it says, Shane Daitum for whatever the reason he can't concentrate right then and there, may is it sad because of some discomfort, oh kas, or he's angry, or mitorah he just came in from the road and he needs to calm down and relax a little bit. In any of these situations, that's not the ideal time to daven, obviously, unless you're going to miss the tvila, then you have to daven then, but otherwise try to daven at a different time. But then the Mechaber continues and he says, nowadays, we're not as careful about this as they used to be in the olden days. Because unfortunately, we never daven with such great kavana. So certainly, we shouldn't stop our davening because we're not going to have great kavana. And this is further expanded upon in Mishnah Bura Sivkat and Vav, where he writes, If a person does have to daven when he's angry or when he's upset or bothered by something, as best as possible, he should try to calm himself down and get rid of whatever emotions or thoughts that are disturbing him, as we've already learned in Sif Aleph. Sivkat and Zayin, the Mishnah Bura continues, and he says, Nowadays we don't daven with such kavana. He brings down the Prima Godim, who brings down in the name of the Levush, even though this is true, that we don't daven with such great kavana, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't think about it. As much as you can get rid of these bad thoughts or get rid of the disturbing emotions. And therefore, that's why we don't daven in a house that has a strong odor there, for example, beer or honey. And certainly if it's a bad odor, that's somewhat Spoiled. And the issue footnote number 16 points out that we've already learned that if it's truly spoiled item, then you're not allowed to daven there. That's an issa. Here we're talking about something that, as I mentioned before, is not truly an issa to daven in the presence of that odor. 
Dusha footnote number 14 brings down a tremendously important idea from Shlomo Zalman Zatzal, who says, if a person can daven better in one place, albeit he's going to have to leave the davening earlier than the conclusion of the davening. And the other place he can go, where he will be bothered by something, but he'll be able to stay for the whole davening, Shlomo Zalman says, it's better to daven in the place where you won't be disturbed, even though you won't be able to stay for the entire davening. The issue footnote number 15 brings down that if a person did, in fact, not daven because of all these disturbances, and even though this isn't the halacha lemaisa, we say that he should daven if there's no choice with all these disturbances, nevertheless, he would be allowed still to make up this tefillah at the next time as a tefillah's tashlumim, because this is not called b'meizah, that he didn't daven. He didn't daven over here, kineged halacha, but he also didn't daven for a good reason, and therefore he's allowed to make a tefillah's tashlumim out of this at the next tefillah. Siv Gimel, the Mishnah Brewer writes, Yispalo derech tachanunim, kirosh hamavakesh bepesach uvenachas. A person should daven with a supplicating type of a posture, similar to a poor person who's begging at your door, and you should do it benachas, and you should do this quietly and slowly. So it shouldn't look like it's a burden upon you to do this and something you just want to get rid of as fast as you can. The Mishnah Brewer in Sivkot and Ches writes, This is one thing, to daven like a poor person at the doorway and do this in a nachas type of way, of quiet, calm, and sedate way. It means to say over here that you should do this in a supplication type of a fashion, as if somebody is davening for mercy upon himself. And he should put into his head the idea that there's nobody that can help him. Not a malach, or a mazel, or a kochov, no, no angel, or an astrological phenomenon, or a star, lamalos sheiloso, to fulfill his needs. Rak ki im birtsono yisbarach, rak hakodesh barachu. The issue foot in number 18 brings down a very interesting and important point. If somebody is in need of a livelihood, he doesn't make a good parnasa, or he's rachman l'tzlan sick, so he brings down from the Eshel of Romi Bachach, in the side of the Shulchan Aruch, B'Shem Sefer HaChasidim, don't only concentrate on Rifa'enu and because in Shemaim they say, oh, this guy doesn't need anything else other than those two, and we won't give him anything else. The person should concentrate on all the brachos, and that way he's hopefully more likely to get the parnosa and the refuah shlema that he requires. Siv contest, the Mishra says you shouldn't daven like it's a burden upon you, Pirish. Even though he's saying it in a supplication type of a way. If he's not davening like he really needs something, and he's hoping to get it from the king and only from the king. He's just davening because they got to daven. That's not right. And the Mishnah says it's very important that a person not daven in this fashion of perfunctory, obligatory type of a davening. But one should stand in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu like he knows that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the only one that can grant him these things. However, after the fact, if a person didn't say it in this proper way that we've just talked about, he shouldn't go back and daven again. And then the Mishmur says, look in the Bir Halacha. The Chavetz Chaim in the Bir Halacha adds over here, One should be so careful with these ideas that we just brought down. There are poskim, such as the Bach and the El Yerabah, and also maybe the Beis Yosef, who say that one actually has to repeat the davening if he didn't daven with the proper subordinate, supplicatory type of a fashion, but one davens out of just an obligatory, perfunctory type of a way. Very strong and serious musa here from the Chavetz Chaim. Siv Dalit. The Mechaber writes, 
Davening is instead of our kabbanos. Unfortunately, because of our sins, Bishulah sin or Rabbin, we don't have a base of Middash, we can't bring kabbanos today. Davening takes its place. Therefore, just like a carbon has to be brought with intention, so too our davening has to be with intention. And you can't instill in it or combine it with any other extraneous thoughts. Just like an improper thought can ruin a carbon. And it has to be said standing up, like a carbon is brought standing up. Like the avoda, which has to be done with the coin standing up. And a person should try to have a set place to daven, just like every carbon had a set place to be brought. That every carbon has a specified place where the shrita should be done, some in the north, some elsewhere in the Azara, and the matandamin had specific place to put the dam applications, the blood applications on the mizbeach in different places for each carbon. And nothing should interrupt you standing from you in front of the wall. A person should stand in front of the wall and not have anything intervene between him and the wall. And the Mishnah were adds over here in Sivkot and Yud, bringing down Betur Kosavo, the tour adds, furthermore, Uveno Lakarka, there shouldn't be anything separating you from the ground. The Kosavo Taz, the Taz adds over here, Davko Gimel Tvachim, as long as you're within Gimel Tvachim of the ground, that's not called being separated from the ground. There isn't even a Mitzvah to be on the ground, as long as you win three tefachim on the ground, that's okay. However, he brings down over here in the name of the Elie Rabbah and the Lavush, the Eishos from Afilu B'Pachos begin. Well, they disagree over here with the Taz and say that unless you're on the ground, even if you're within three tefachim on the ground, that still is Osir. Everybody agrees. One is permitted to place on the ground. One can place some sort of dry grass on the ground in order to daven on that. The That's considered subordinate to the karka. It's not considered an interposition, a separation between you and the karka. Issue footnote number 19 brings down on some sort of pillows or covers, cushions of some sort, one shouldn't stand on such cushions because even if they're lower than three tefachim to the ground and the Taz would say that that's okay it still is an arrogant type of a position to daven in and one shouldn't do this Mishabur concludes and he says also l'spala bevricha what does this mean? So the issue footnote number 20 explains that this means while you're bending down on your knees, but the rest of your body is upright. And he brings down from the Shalos to Chuvas Halochos Gitanos, even though technically this is still called standing up because most of your body is considered standing up, that's an improper way for us to daven while we're bent on our knees and our body is standing upright. The Mechaber continues and he says that you can't stand with something intervening between you and the wall, between you and the ground, because Dumya de Karban, this is similar to the Karbano, because any interposition between you and the ground or between you and the utensil you're doing the Karban with, the Kli, that is considered a Chatzitza and it apostles the Karban. Furthermore, the Mechaber writes, A person ideally should have separate clothing that he only wears for davening. Just like the Kohanim, but this is financially difficult. Not everybody can afford to buy separate clothing, so that's not a halacha psuka. However, certainly, at least one should try to have pants that are special for the davening, so that those pants will always be clean at least. If hey, the Mechaber writes, when a person davens, Ayakshov, don't think, person should never think, wow, I just had a great Shemones rate, now God owes me, and I'm certainly going to get what I asked for. The exact opposite. This causes the Kodesh Baruch to get very angry. And he looks at that person, and he reminds himself of the sins of that person. Because of this 
inappropriate thoughts that this person had, but he thinks he's so great. They look at his actions. This guy thinks he's so great. He did such a great tefillah. Let's check him out. And they look at the person, and nobody can withstand that type of a microscopic look from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What should a person think? He should ask for everything on the total good graces of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not because he deserves it, but he's begging Hashem, please give it to me because you're so generous. When he should say to himself, Who am I? I'm so poor, I'm so degraded, and here I am, bowl of Akish, Mace, Melech, Malchi, I'm looking for Baruch Hu. How do I have the chutzpah to come and ask a Kodesh Baruch Hu for anything? The only way I could get it, the only way a Kodesh Baruch Hu would ever give this to me is because not that I deserve it, but because he's such a generous, great God. And this is the way he acts with his creations. He treats them generously, much more so than they deserve, and that's the approach that we should have when we dive into HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that we're coming to him like poor people, begging, supplicating in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a very calm and sedate and nachastic fashion, not demanding, not expecting to get anything, just relying upon the good graces of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Mirz Hashem, we shall be zochet to have these kavanas, and Mirz Hashem, we shall be zochet to have our tefillos answered. That concludes today's share.